Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. This episode is supported by Amarillo Hearing Clinic, Amarillo's home for diagnostic hearing healthcare services, and which was formerly known as Ormson Hearing. The doctors of audiology at Amarillo Hearing Clinic focus on the diagnosis and treatment of all kinds of hearing disorders, working with each patient to develop an individualized plan. And they see all patients from birth to end of life and treat them like family. My mom spent her career in deaf education, so I've spent a lot of time within that community, and I know how much technology has advanced, especially when it comes to testing and treating hearing loss. Amarillo Hearing Clinic is the local expert in that technology, from hearing aids to hearing healthcare. Contact them today at 806-468-4343 or visit amarillohearing.com. That's amarillohearing.com. And as part of this podcast partnership with Brick and Elm Magazine, I want to give a podcast shout out to The Pergola Shop online at thepergolashop.com and to Krauss Landscape Contractors online at krauslandscape.com. Today's guest is Joe Garcia III. And Joe is one of those guys I've wanted to have on the show for a while now because his story just has a lot of layers and multiple careers. Locals may know him as JPEG Joe, a local sports and portrait photographer, and that's really a great name for a a sports photographer. If you visit local high school sporting events, I know you've seen Joe there. He's also the relatively new managing partner at Press Pass Sports, an independent local news source dedicated to high school, college, and professional sports in the Texas Panhandle. And we talk about that. But that's still not the whole story because Joe is also the chief revenue officer of eCatholic, which is the largest provider of Catholic parish and church websites in the world. And the story about how that global business started and Joe's involvement while living here in Amarillo is a really good one. So here's Joe Garcia. Joe Garcia, welcome to the Hey Amarillo podcast. Thanks for being here. Yeah, no, thanks so much for having me. Looking forward to it and I'm a little nervous about your questions. Uh, yeah, it's a real hard-hitting <laughs> podcast. So, no, I'm honored to have you here. I know that we've we've talked uh, in the past uh, about you being on the show and I'm, I'm glad to have you here in studio. Uh, and I want to start with you the same way I start with all of my other guests and that's just to ask why you're here in Amarillo. So what brought you to this area in the first place? Oh man, that's a loaded question. If you want the honest 100% truth, it's my wife is from here and that's where she wants to be. Okay. I have a remote job so I could work pretty much anywhere I wanted. And honestly, I'd love to go somewhere by the beach or travel around and, you know, we don't have any kids so we could do the RV life. There's a lot of possibilities, but honestly, like family. That's the the big thing. My family lives down in the Abilene area. My wife's family is uh, here in Amarillo and uh, we've got two nieces and a nephew. So we just want to be around, watch them grow up and be involved in their lives. So that's the the main reason. Are you originally from the Abilene area? Uh, I grew up in a little town called Stamford, Texas. And being from here, a lot of people think Sanford Fridge or Stratford right off the bat. But no, little little town, Stamford, just like the college with an M instead of an N. And uh, population, I think at the time when I left was like 2,800. Wow. So I'm Where kinda, is it? Uh, just north of Abilene. Okay. So about 40, 45 miles north on 277. All right. So still sort of West Texas, but far mm-hmm. enough away that we're not yeah, so I think familiar we're, with it. Yeah, there. we're technically like the big country yeah. area, so to speak, uh, on the borders of that. But came to WT from 04 to 08, studied mass comm in the area. And then I stuck around in Amarillo for, gosh, least. So 2013, okay. uh, doing, 
IT services for the Catholic Diocese of Amarillo. So kind of overseeing like the 50 churches in the Texas Panhandle and got married in 2014 and then moved down to College Station to kind of start our, our web pro production venture. Uh, there was a guy doing some stuff down there and got introduced to him through a mutual friend. And one thing led to another and uh, kind of brought us back here because of the remote job stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, same company um, back in 2017. And we've been in the area just involved probably for the last four or five years now. Okay. Well, I, I want to cover some of that territory in a minute. Sure. Why did you end up going to WT having grown up in the Abilene area where I know there are a number of uh, college, um, yeah. at, at least options that you could choose? Sure, sure. No, there's nothing fancy about why I picked WT. It was a fairly inexpensive university. Um, it was something that I could afford. I was the first uh, person from my family to go to college. Okay. And I had to pay for it myself. And so it's like, well, where can I go that's cheap? I had some academic scholarships and I was just trying to find somewhere that could, I could cover my costs and still live and, you know, feed myself and those sorts of things. And, you know, I think that's something that I think a lot of people take for granted, you know, college is this thing you go and do. And for a lot of first time people, like yeah. nobody helped me fill out forms and applications. I didn't know where I was supposed to go. And so, you know, these college visit days weren't a thing there. I kind of just showed up, my parents dropped me off and were like, Good luck. <laughs> so um, that's how I that's how I ended up at WT. But I think I came. It was big enough and small enough. There were some other universities that I was looking at, uh, D two size. But really, it was just the people. Like, and I think that's something that holds true even today. Is I, I love the people here in the Texas Panhandle and West Texas in general. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people are here. They're they're hard workers and and they care about each other as human beings. And that's something that I've always been drawn to. Um, aside from, you know, the fact that we don't have any trees and those sorts of things, uh, the people definitely make up for it. Okay. Why do you think, since you were a first-generation college student, what was it that drove you in that direction? Uh, if, if you didn't have, you know, the family suggesting, hey, it's time for mm -hmm. you to think about college or even providing the funding for it, like, why was that on your radar? The short answer is I promised my mom I would go. I honestly didn't okay. want I, I didn't want to go. I wanted to go do some fun stuff. Like I had a buddy that was going off to be a, a welder, which I was doing the math. I've, I've always loved math. A quick side story here. So I was like, well, if I go and I go straight out of, and, and start working and I can make, you know, a hundred, hundred something thousand dollars a year, I can invest that when I'm early, oh, like yeah. on. Especially and in retire. like the oil yeah. fields and so stuff like I, welders I, were in high demand. I was doing the math and, and my mom really wanted me to go. So I promised her I went, went, finished all that good stuff. And um, still kind of take that mentality of just this analytical approach. Mm -hmm. My friends and family give me a hard time because everything is, is very linear, like cause effect. Um, I do things for reason or because the stats stay, that's probably the best way to do okay. things. So everything's kind of research based. <clears throat> it is, it is. And that's just how I've operated for, for most of my life. But I think for me, really just going through, it's when I went through and looked, it's like, Hey, we probably, everyone says this is a good idea. I probably should go ahead and go do it. Um, so I went through and that's really kind of where I fell in love with photography. I was moving around. I, I needed something to do. And so I had a camera at the time and, mm -hmm. and could start, you know, just taking pictures and it didn't cost a lot of money to walk around and, and go see things. And we have Powder Canyon just right down the road. So I spent a lot of time down there in college and uh, just kind of be bopping around. The IT thing uh, with the Catholic Diocese here, mm -hmm. was that something that as you're going to college, were you kind of looking for a tech job? I mean, WT is not necessarily known as a an IT school, a tech school. It's got an okay program, but like, what, what was the plan? No. So um, fun fact, I've always loved tech just in general. Um, I used to figure out ways to, to hack things and, and I worked with our school network department whenever I was in high school and, and learned a lot about just 
you know, how IP protocols worked, how networks work. We did a lot of wireless, you know, uh, distance learning when I was in high school is just coming out. So I set up a, a lot of that infrastructure and the Catholic diocese. Um, if you want to get into a little bit of my faith life, I actually wasn't even a practicing Christian in college when I first went. Okay. I just met some guys um, that were in seminary uh, for the Catholic Church, for the Baptists, different seminaries that they were, you know, kind of looking at going to, but they were at WT just doing basics and stuff, and they were going to go off around the country or the state, you know, and go. And I just kind of was drawn to their joy in life. Hmm. And I was like, hey, what's going on? And like, how did this happen? And long story short, one of them introduced me to some contacts over at the Catholic Diocese because they needed help with server and infrastructure and Kind of virtual deployments. Oh, I've done that before. Was, yeah, you know, because I'd done it at the school, so I helped them do that. And one thing led to another, and uh, turned out I ended up being there for seven years, uh, even after WT, and, and working and kind of sticking around in the area. Did you end up a member of the church? I, mean, I did. did it I did. take you in that direction. I did. I, I uh, attribute uh, me kind of coming back to the church in general because of campus ministry. So I'm a huge proponent of campus ministry for. Um, Catholic churches all around mm -hmm. the country. Also for just campus ministry in general, uh, my philosophy is like, there's enough bad stuff going on in the world. Like yeah. we have way more things in common. Let's, you know, help each other out. Uh, Cause there's plenty of people that want to see churches in general, yeah. you know, die or, or not exist. And so um, I have tons of friends that, you know, are went to the, um, gosh, the Catholic student think, center, the Catholic WC. student center there, um, the Baptist, well, I mm -hmm. forgot what it's called uh, now. Oh, there's a name for it. I forgot it. WT. BSM. BSM. Right. And then they had this ministerial alliance where a lot of the different denominations would, you know, have lunches and food uh, on Wednesday, you know, on campus for different students that needed. So I kind of got involved in a lot of that early on, but kind of continued to move and uh, was just drawn to the Catholic faith for a variety of reasons and just stuck with it. And I think for me, my whole goal with a lot of that wasn't really to to do anything. I just saw in the church in general, whether it's Catholic or Protestant, there were so many people working so hard that were in general, you know, overworked and underpaid. And mm -hmm. I was like, man, there's some really cool ways that we can utilize technology and some other things to, to make their lives easier. And that's kind of how my tech journey started really with some of that. Well, tell, tell me what that looked like, because I, I'm familiar with uh, a little bit of of what you do, you mentioned mm -hmm. your remote job. You mentioned going to College Station and sort of getting involved down there. What is that? And tell me what it looks like. Sure. So I, I was an IT director for a Catholic diocese. So logistically, um, for those that may not know, dioceses are basically regions. So we Texas Panhandle has a bishop that oversees about 50 churches. Somebody like Archbishop Gomez in Los Angeles may oversee 300 churches right, right in their area. All in all, they have the same needs from a technical, practical sense. You know, they all need websites. They need online giving. You know, some of them need live streaming. They all have payment systems they need to use, mm -hmm. like QuickBooks or whatever the case is. And they kind of standardize that across the board. Well, when I was here in Amarillo, we did a lot of that standardization. And so instead of operating like QuickBooks in your home on a one-off basis, we imported all that so the data stayed kind of connected and centered. And we took websites and did the same approach. And when I left the, the diocese, uh, the guy that I met, his name is Josh Simmons, uh, applied for this job at a company called eCatholic. And he had built his own content management system back in 2005. And so he had been kind of doing this for almost seven, eight years. They had a few hundred customers. And I was really intrigued because I thought, man, I just did all this stuff 
for 50 churches, we could take this and expand it out and help hundreds or even thousands. And yeah. If it's a need here, it's probably a need in a <clears throat> lot correct, of other places. Correct. And the Catholic church is standardized for the most part as far as hierarchy goes. And so I talked to him, started that, got married, then moved down to College Station because that's where our developer and Josh and our support guy was. So there's only four of us and started doing some cool stuff. And one thing led to another. And we landed some pretty large contracts with um, the Archdiocese of New York, where we were going to implement our software into, you know, hundreds of parishes. And to date now, we're the largest provider of Catholic websites in the whole world, which hmm. is crazy. And we yeah. have an incredible team and we host, you know, thousands and thousands of websites and process, you know, online giving and, and live streaming. COVID exploded our business because of the live streaming that we were doing. So it's just been an incredibly humbling journey for me personally and my wife. Um, and then we just got to a size as a company where she said, hey, you, you told me when y'all got big enough that we could move back to Amarillo. My brother's moving back from Florida with you know our nieces and nephew. So I said, okay, yeah, you're right. And that was around, I guess, 2016, we made that decision we were going to come back. Four years before everybody else decided Correct. remote work was a thing. Well, and that was that was the thing. I've always been a system guy, a very practical person. And so we had two other employees at the time that were either going to get married and were thinking about leaving our company to move somewhere else. We said, hey, we don't want to lose great people. Yeah. And we changed our systems, uh, the, the tools we were using from an infrastructure standpoint to support a remote environment. And by the time, you know, 2017 rolled around, several of us moved away, but we still kept our company intact and maintained our culture and, and did a lot of that. So we do that um, for lack of a better term. We're kind of like the Catholic Squarespace. We have another brand called Gabriel Soft that it's the same tools, just rebranded a little bit different hmm. uh, for Protestant churches, and they can use the same uh, tool set. But it's been really fun to be in that dynamic and see how all that's worked. And it's given me the opportunity to live in Amarillo mm -hmm. to do some cool things and support them. Um, I love baseball. So, you know, we're advertisers out at Hodgetown. Um, we go to tons of fundraisers, you know, for Evelyn Rivers here in town, you know, just different things that are in the area. And I just love, like, like I said, the community. What's your official title or role at the company now? Yeah. So I'm our chief revenue officer, Eddie Catholic, and uh, our parent company is called Web Pro Productions. So I oversee all of our sales and marketing. So I had a all of our sales team, we concentrate on marketing efforts and do a lot of technical things. So if you've heard of software like HubSpot and, yeah. you know, you talk about all the, you know, all the tracking that goes on when you, you look at a dress online and then you start getting Amazon ads, like that's, uh, I'm partly responsible for, for some of that, right, wrong or indifferent. But at the end of the day, our philosophy is, look, we're, we're not a sales organization. Our goal is to like, we have a product that we believe in and we want to just support you and answer any questions and make sure you're comfortable if you choose to use us. And we don't do long-term contracts, so you can leave us at any time. Hmm. And it holds us accountable as a company to provide great service. So in general, that's what I do. And I really love it. And I have a lot of time in the evenings to do to do other things. Yeah. So let's let's talk about those other things. Because I uh, we were talking before we started recording that probably most people who know you uh, or recognize you locally mm -hmm. recognize you as JPEG Joe. Yes. The guy who's out with a, a number of cameras, you know, and a big lens shooting at sporting events. Uh, and they think that, that that's your job. You're the the sports photographer, not knowing that uh, you've got this whole other thing. Um, so tell me about the photography and sort of how that has fit within your career path. Yeah. So I, again, I picked up photography just because it was something cheap that I could do in college. And because of my day job that we just talked about, I travel a ton all over the country. Um, so to give you an idea, I've been to all 50 states. I've been to 42 countries. 
I think last year I logged 220,000 miles flying. Wow. So I spent a lot of time on an airplane. Most people don't realize that if I go to a football game or basketball game that a lot of times I'm landing at 4.30 and just going straight to their game exactly. and, and going home after. But yeah, I, I did that. For me, that has been a gradual progression. Everything I think I would say, honestly, in the past couple of years, my photography has gotten, I would say, a little more popular than it ever had been. But what most people don't see is the, you know, 12, 13 years of work that went into it before. I've just, I have the, a bit of an addictive personality. So when I decided I was going to do photography, I just wanted to do the best I, I could at it. And I love the challenge of just sports photography in general. It's fast. The lighting, you know, isn't all that great. So you yeah. have to be a good technical shooter. Um, and to, to top it off, I, I think the driving factor for that, um, and I'm sure this with some people, most people may not know, but my wife and I, we haven't been able to have children of our own. And so for us, it's a way to give back to the community and like take, I, I wanted to get really good at photography because I wanted to take awesome photos of, you know, our own kids mm -hmm. and those sorts of things. And so now it's like, I, I developed this talent and I, I want to still use it for that reason. So we're able to go capture these fun memories for, for kids out in our community and growing up in a small town, you know, a lot of the Amarillo schools here in the city, they get coverage from all sorts of photographers. Right. And so I actually find some of the most joy in photographing small towns, kind of like my hometown where I grew up in, where you don't get a photographer at a sure. game unless you're in the playoffs, like two or three rounds in for something. And so I enjoy going to some of these small towns and, you know, photographing like happy and Nazareth and, you know, panhandle and Vega because they're not getting coverage from, you know, a lot of places in general, not because these places don't want to cover them. They just don't have the staff. And, right. And the well, I mean, there used hand. to be newspaper coverage mm -hmm. in those towns. There used to be a lot of newspaper sports coverage here in Amarillo and it's, you know, less and less and less. And so I kind of started to see what you were doing when I was the dad of an athlete and like, it's just, parents like crave those cool photos of their kids so that they can remember those times. The kids like it too. And, uh, you know, you and other sports photographers like that are fulfilling a need, uh, not just for the kid, but for the families. And so I think it is appreciated. And what I really like for, about you is that it's not really a side hustle that you have to do. I mean, you're, you're probably fine with the work that you're doing <laughs> sure. already. And so you're not out, you know, trying to, to earn income, you're trying to just do something that number one, you're passionate about and that does provide a service. I think that's important. Yeah, absolutely. And and I was pretty blessed and fortunate when we were down in College Station. Um, I was pretty well connected with uh, Texas A&M and kind of the SEC network. And so I had the opportunity to photograph, you know, SEC sports and college sports and, you know, division one level athletes and, you know, and it helped me, you know, get better at what I was doing. And I just have taken those same skills now and are photographing, you know, local kids and athletes, which for me is fun. And don't get me wrong. I, I want I have to justify being able to go out and spend time either away from my family. Yeah. It's a lot of time, you know, away. I want to pay for my gear and, you know, I don't want to. Which is expensive. Like sports <laughs> photography is the most expensive type you can Absolutely. do. You know, I don't want to just bleed money every year. But at the end of the day, you're right. Like my goal is to provide these memories to parents and students. And, and I've even in the past couple of years, I started photographing Emerald High baseball because I love baseball. I was a catcher in high school. It's a sport that I knew, um, you know, being a catcher, I could watch a pitch or watch somebody swing. I'm like, oh, they're going to be a little late. So I'm going to cheat to photograph towards the right side of the field yeah. versus the left. And I had an idea of where the ball may or may not go, what pitch may or may not be coming. And so that was super helpful. And, and I think that led to more, sports being photographed um volleyball hands down hardest sport for me to photograph because i had never 
played volleyball. I didn't know anything about it. I had a, well, even the players don't always know where the ball is going to go on some yeah, of those hits, you know? And so that was real hard. So for me, it's, you know, there's been a definite learning curve with some of these sports that I didn't know myself to, to be a better photographer. But I've, I've enjoyed, you know, bringing pro-level photos to kids and parents to have to, to hang on their walls. Do you, do you get to know the kids in the process? I mean, a lot of times they are competing as you are doing your work. And so there's probably not a lot of conversation until I, the game's over, right? Yeah, I have over the years. So one of the great things about going to any of the schools, small or big school, is, you, you know, you're in the dugout sometimes, you're on the field, you know, you're at the track meets, you know, on the infield with, um, you know, you're right on next to the court. And so you get to know not just the players, but the coaches and the parents because, you know, they'll reach out. And now, you know, I have to remind kids, hey, like when you're playing a basketball game, like don't yell at me from the bench, like pay attention to the game. I'll take your photos. But like, I don't want to get yelled at by a coach yeah. either. So absolutely. You develop Stop some, posing for the camera. Yeah. Develop some amazing relationships with with kids and parents um, over the years, even the coaches. I think one of the wonderful things about our area is, you know, the coaches all around the Texas Pandal are just so appreciative of somebody being out there giving their kids some coverage and mm -hmm. some attention, right? Like, I think at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Like, what can we do to elevate and give our kids exposure? Because in general, and this is something that I learned, you know, here in the past year with my involvement in press passports was not a lot of kids in the Texas Panhandle get looks from not just D1 colleges, but even D2 colleges and other places for scholarships and other things. And um, the work that Kel Seed was doing with Press Pass was super impressive to me because they were getting looks at kids that may otherwise wouldn't have received any attention. And right. so that was something that was important to me. It's like, hey, let's let's amplify this. Let's make this a bigger thing outside of just photography. Let's figure out a way to support our community. Like I said, I'm here because my wife and her family are here. And my philosophy is if I'm going to live in a community, let's make it an awesome place to be. And, and I'm just want to do my part to help support that. Yeah, that's, that's something a lot of people don't think about is getting the attention of, say, college scouts um, or recruiters. Uh, if, if you are a recruiter, your time is going to be used much more efficiently if you go to the Metroplex to watch some games mm -hmm. where you can watch hundreds of schools versus going to the Panhandle, to Amarillo, or maybe four or six or eight schools, if and, and and you'll have to work pretty hard to see all those games. Or you'll have to drive. Yeah, you'll an have to hour drive a You have to fly into Amarillo, which is a hard place to fly into in general, and then drive up to Perryton or, or Groover, you know, Bailey Maupin that's playing for Texas Tech basketball now. That's a long way to go yeah. to get looks. Um, and so I think that's just one of the things that I've been really proud of is like let's get these kids some attention. And on the flip side, not every kid's going to go to college and play, you know, ball at the next level, whatever the case may be. And so even for me, I get more excited about photographing the kids in high school. Like, let's give you some awesome yeah. photos like you would get if you went to college. Because they're going to have those forever. In high school. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. I mean, it's a little personal, too, for me. When I was growing up, there was, you know, no photographers covering. I have two photos of me playing sports that are printed from being a kid. One baseball photo, one football photo. And that's it. Like those, those are my only memories. Mm -hmm. And now kids have, you know, they might get 10 or 15 for every game that they play. Yeah. So it's, it's been a, a fun journey kind of getting to know just the kids in the community and um, in general, the coaches as well. It, we couldn't do what we're doing without their support. And so, you know, them letting us uh, come on the fields and photograph games and those sorts of things has been a huge help. So you mentioned press pass sports for people that don't know what that is. Uh, if, if they aren't, you know, the parents of high school athletes or following high school mm -hmm. sports, Explain what it is and, and what your involvement is. Sure. So 
me a, a bit of a backstory on how I even found out about them because I didn't know who they were about a year and a half ago, okay. uh, to be honest. So I started photographing, like I said, baseball for Amarillo High and a handful of other sports in the area, local local towns. And I started realizing that this uh, name, Press Pass, kept coming up in different places I was going and took a look at him. And a guy by the name of Kel Seed was for the past couple of years, I guess we're going. he's going on his third year now. So two years before I got involved was writing stories, covering games, 1A through, you know, 5 and 6A. So happy in Nazareth, you know, Will Dorado scores and recaps for our local teams and athletes all the way up to, you know, the Amarillo High games and, you know, those sorts of things, you know, Paladero. And I was like, man, this is, they're doing some really cool stuff. And the website uh, was a, you know, a basic Wix website, mm -hmm. which is like you kind of buy a domain and you start a site and you're just posting some stories and I've always I had up a sales and marketing team. I thought, man, like the content here is fantastic. Like what they're doing is awesome. So I reached out to Kale and said, hey, like I'd love to get involved in in Press Pass. You guys are doing some amazing coverage with these kids. And he had come out of the broadcast world, right? He did. He was broadcasting and I think um, he'd even written for the Amarillo Globe and some other places. And, um, you know, that's a whole nother story about, yeah. you know, print media and, and, you know, what's going on with that. But had a ton of experience covering sports. And so he was working, he, he worked with also like Lance Lanner was freelancing for him, a guy by the name of uh, Lee Passmore. And so yeah. these guys were just- Former newspaper guys, they, right? they just love covering sports. And so they were like, we're going to these games anyway. We might as well keep writing about these kids. So long story short, I uh, acquired Press Pass from Kale. He still has a vested interest, but my goal was to just amplify what they were doing. So I don't really know anything about writing or, or journalism as far as like covering sports. Uh, and as much as they do, these guys, they, they blow me away with the things and stats that they can remember for 10 or 12 years ago. Um, but we came in and, and I guess coming up on a year now, uh, back in May of last year, rebranded them, created a new logo. Um, I build websites for a living. So yeah. we built a, a phenomenal website for them to just kind of amp up the content that they were doing. And it's crazy. We've gone from, in general, like, I think they used to have maybe 20,000 impressions by, you know, 3,000 unique visitors a month. And we're during the middle of football season, which football's, you know, king around the right. Texas panhandle. We were doing half a million impressions by 50,000 unique visitors. That's crazy. So it's it's really grown even in the past year uh, with some of the work that we're doing. And I think it's just a testament to to the guys writing the stories and covering the kids. I would say the one-two punch, though, was that with my photography experience and my network of photographers, we were able to bring in a lot more photographers from around the Texas Panhandle that help and contribute to the stories that we write to get kids more coverage. Again, it all comes back to, like, what can we do to help amplify them yeah. and, and give them some some highlights? It's a testament to the talent uh, of, of Kale and his writers and the photographers, but also I think the lack of that kind of information until press pass came along uh, because it, you know, you, you might be able to find, you know, on the, the evening news, you can see the scores, but you don't know the box scores, what mm -hmm. happened in the game. You might get something small in the local newspaper, but a lot of times that's paywalled. And, and so to have somebody who's covering a game, who's writing about what happened in the game, not just the, the high mm -hmm. points of the score or who won or lost, having been in that world, it was just so valuable to us in, in figuring out what was going on and knowing how passionate the panhandle is about sports. Like it totally makes sense to me Absolutely. that 
putting all those things together make a product that can be really successful and get a lot of attention. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to give a shout out to just our local media in general. I went to a game, I won't even say the sport or anything, but went to a game the other day down in Lubbock covering some of our, our, our local kids and athletes. And our team lost, our, our local team lost. And our coaches had four or five different media outlets asking them questions. What was the recap of the game, et cetera. The coach that won the game for the other team, there was nobody asking the questions. They kind of just walked off to hmm. the thing. So in general, I think the Texas Panhandle and, you know, there's larger companies that, you know, we won't get into the politics of that, but the guys and gals that are working for some of our local stations, like they all genuinely care about our kids and providing coverage and they do a phenomenal job. And I think what most people don't realize is how much work and time they spend. A lot of times they're going out to cover games on their day off, but it's just because they, they want to cover their Cover the kids. You don't yeah. want you don't want to miss out. It's like, oh man, I covered them all week. I don't want to you know miss a weekend. So if you ever see those people out, whether they have a, what, doesn't matter what organization they're with, be sure to tell them thank you. Uh, th- those little things go a long way. And like you were saying, I'm fortunate to to have a very stable day job um, where I don't need to do photography at all or press pass at all. But some of these people have made it their their life mission to mm-hmm. go and cover sports. And so just reach out and give them a, a quick thank you because I, I do think that. We have just some incredible people in general here in our area. I, I like your story, and a lot of it is selfish because I'm doing the independent media thing. You know, at the same time you are with Press Pass. And mm-hmm. I, I wonder, like you having kind of gotten into it over the past year. I know there's a learning curve, there's a learning Absolutely. curve for all of us. But like, what have you learned about, you know, maybe publishing an independent, you know, media publication, mm-hmm. and and how necessary that kind of work is here in this area. Absolutely. I think for me, the biggest takeaway is I played baseball in high school, played football, right? And I knew, you know, in Texas, football is a big deal, but I didn't realize how many other sports are going on at the same time. I was in a small school, so we didn't have all these, you know, we didn't have volleyball or other things. And oh my goodness, the biggest learning curve was, right, during football season, towards the tail end of football, you start getting into playoffs, and volleyball playoffs are going on, mm-hmm. and basketball is starting up. And I'm thinking, how in the world are we going to get to all these games? Like that, quite frankly, the schedule, the sports schedule right now, um, we're in a very similar situation where, you know, in the spring, you know, basketball is going into playoffs towards the tail end of the season. Track is kicking off. Um, other sports are kind of going on. And so it was, um, I would say that was the biggest learning curve is just the timing and how many things are going on all at once that I never realized. From a writing perspective, I don't do a ton of writing, but the stories that these writers are are crafting for these kids and going into more detail about what they're doing and maybe some background information, those things actually have helped me be a better photographer because I'm keeping an eye out for, you know, something else that's going on that I never would have known. Like somebody, you know, is, is getting looks from this college or that college or, hey, this person had a you know, crazy game, the past two games, you keep an eye on them and those sorts of things. But I think for me, the biggest learning curve was really just the logistics of covering so many sports all at once. Yeah. I want to close this section because you, you are not originally from this area. Um, and you know, Abilene area is pretty similar Mm -hmm. to Amarillo, but you know, you, you live here now, you're invested in multiple ways in this community. What have you come to learn about this area, whether it's Amarillo itself or the Texas Panhandle, uh, just in the work that you've done? I think what I've come to learn is 
coming and, and being in some bigger metroplex areas, you know, a lot of the kids that are out doing different things or the people, you know, they're able to commit to, you know, club ball for the life of whatever it is, or they're able to just show up to different games and have all this stuff going on. And what I love about the panel community is a lot of these kids uh, and parents, they're working hard jobs sometimes. Um, you know, they're, they're putting themselves through school, whether, you know, WT or AC or those sorts of things. And, you know, it's, for me, it's just the, the hard work. And I have a ton of respect kind of coming from, from a small town as well. Like, they're doing all these hard things and they're making time for their family to go to games or to go be involved in their community, whether it's sports or other nonprofits in the community. There's so many people that are are just committed to the area. And I think for me, that's been one of the most humbling things. And I just want to make sure that I'm doing my part as well. This episode of Hey Marillo is supported by SKP Creative. I asked the team there what they wanted to communicate And they want to remind listeners that the May elections are coming up in Amarillo, just a few weeks away, with the entire city council and mayor position on the ballot. There are also seats open for the AISD school board, the Amarillo College Board of Regents, and the general election is May 6, 2023. So if you haven't yet registered to vote, now is the time to do it. Go to votetexas.gov. That's votetexas.gov. Thanks again to SKP Creative, online at skpcreative.com. And now, while I have your attention, here's an announcement. If you missed it last week, I've got big news. Mark your calendars now for Friday, May 5th, the day before the election I just talked about. This is going to be the second ever Hey Amarillo podcast live show. So I'm getting really close to the 300th episode of Hey Amarillo. And I want to celebrate that by recording that 300th episode in front of a live audience. Hopefully, it will include former guests, it will include longtime listeners like you, and I'll have a special interview guest. I'm also going to do a special edition of 8 Straight, which you're going to want to be there for. I'm really looking forward to this. It's going to be so much fun. So set aside May 5th, yes, that's Cinco de Mayo, for the 300th episode, Hey Amarillo Live Show. And watch for ticket information, venue information, and other details next week. Okay, I'm back with Joe Garcia. Joe, this is part of the show I call 8 Straight. 8 Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum and Canyon on the WT campus. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Awesome. It's the largest history museum in Texas, and I chose this for you. Its collection includes a vintage Apple IIc computer, which was a a 7.5-pound notebook-sized version of the Apple II. Uh, introduced in 1984. It's a ridiculous looking Apple notebook. Apple to C? 2C, yeah. So okay. it, it it's not the typical early iMac. It's got a weird little keyboard kind of coming off of it. That's awesome. Um, anyway, it was supposed to be the first affordable personal computer. It was fairly popular, uh, but you can see it at the museum. Yeah, uh, learn more awesome. at panhandleplanes.org. I always love when stuff I grew up with is on display in a museum. That's, I have an that's Apple fun. 2E. Do you really? At my office, it still turns on and... and for those of you that don't know what that is, go Google it. Apple IIe as an Echo. I have a, several five and a half inch floppies that yeah. still have that old Oregon Trail game on them, and, and I still play. You can it. still boot it up. And yeah, play. I've had to fix it a couple times that's to keep fine. it going. Anyway, that's I just nerded hey, out when I heard that. I'm gonna have to go look at the uh, Apple IIc. I didn't even know that was a thing. I learned how to uh, write on a word processor on that's an awesome. Apple II when I was in school. So. My whole it out. career dates back to that. And that's at the Panhandle Plains? Panhandle Plains, yeah. Awesome. Um, they, did a, they did a 1980s exhibit 
uh, a few years ago, and that's like one of the relics uh, from that. So fantastic. Okay, um, first question: When you think of Amarillo ten years from now, what do you hope for? Oh man, if I could pick and like wave a magic wand, I would hope that we had more communal areas just for people to hang out and eat and drink and listen to music. Um, I've been able to travel all around the country and see some cool venues at, mm-hmm. at places that are just communal. And so one example is like, I think, I think it's called Truckyard, like in the Dallas DFW area. Or if you go look, uh, there's another place, one of my favorite places in the whole country to go hang out is called Armature Works, which is in Tampa, Florida. Okay. And they're just these big open areas with tons of awesome food and there's always music going on and you can play games and interact with people that you might not normally interact with. Yeah, they always have, uh, you know, big chess pieces or grassy areas Mm -hmm. where somebody's doing a little stripped down concert and just people hanging out. Just those kinds of areas. I I think I would hope that we had more places like that. Okay. Other than wind, what does this area have too much of? Oh, man. Uh, Construction. I see a lot of construction cones and barriers up all all over the place, but I never see that many people working. So I don't, I don't know what's going on. Um, normally, normally when we have construction. There's some stuff going on. They're, so they're I, waiting for the wind to stop. Maybe so. I would say that's one thing we have a little too much of. Okay. What does this area not have enough of? Trees. We need some more trees, man. Like we, I think we experience uh, a lot of wind. There's no windbreak, right? Yeah, so that's true. I, I would say I would love to see some more trees, but I don't even know how you make that happen. Yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a long project. Um, we would have to have started 30 years ago to build a decent windbreak. What's the most underrated thing about living in Amarillo? Hands down, the people and the people in Amarillo and Texas Panhandle, phenomenal. I don't think most people realize that. We're talking about my company the other day we're actually flying everyone in uh this year for our we have an annual team week mm-hmm. and so i've gotten everyone excited we're all coming to amarillo really? we're going to show them powder canyon and, okay. and go do some fun stuff um and i would say that'd be the probably the second underrated thing most people don't know that the canyon is like yeah phenomenal and it's 20 minutes away like it's it's a no-brainer here but people outside here don't know about it and i've met people from here that have never gone down yeah. there so i would say if you haven't gone go check it out how many people are on your team I think we're bringing uh, 35, 37 into okay. team week. And then I think there's like eight or so that couldn't make it. So okay. whatever that is. That's I, a good number then. Yeah. All right. What's your favorite local coffee shop? Uh, I'm a palace lover. So I, I work downtown. So I walk down there and my college roommate used to uh, be a barista at the original palace down in Canyon. Canyon. It's grown with me and I've grown with the area, but uh, I'm a monarch drinker for yeah. normal everyday coffee. And then the Duchess is my favorite pour over blend. So All right. a bit of a coffee snob. Got it. Yeah. What's your favorite local restaurant or food truck? Oh, um, can I just plead the fifth on this one? I have a ton of friends that run restaurants and are bartenders <laughs> Too and many servers. To give them all a and shout out. I, uh, I just want to make sure we stay in good graces with okay. everyone. So okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna plead the fifth on so that it's one. It's just too many to name. Yeah, we have a ton of great local places. Like that's one thing that I do love about Amarillo, just some good, good local food. Okay, I'll let you out of that one. Okay, fair What's enough. What's your uh, favorite local neighborhood? Downtown. Um, my wife and I, we spend a lot of time just in the downtown area. And I don't know if you call it a neighborhood, but that's what I would call it. It's where we spend a lot I of mean, our time. I mean, there are residences there now. There are. So there's I some condos. Um, there's some some really cool like loft apartments and other things that they have. We don't live there, but it's just a cool cool place to go and hang out. And, and I think it's been a nice to see that part of town grow since I've been here. Yeah. And, and a lot of that growth has happened since you've mm-hmm. you've been here. It's, it's been the last five or ten years. 
Okay, last question. When was the last time you visited the Big Texan? Oh, man. Probably about six months ago. I had some friends that were passing through on I-40, and everyone that passes through wants to go to the Big Texan, so we usually stop and hang out and enjoy a couple of craft beer that they have with them. Were they uh, were they suitably impressed? By yeah, it? Like, Did it meet their expectations? Absolutely. I think, you know, locals, we give the Big Texan a hard time because it's the Big Texan, right? But I think it, it's, it does have this wow factor if you've never experienced it before. It's, you know, I think you go in and... and it's, it's great to experience at least once or twice in your life. And for people that come through, I think you should definitely go check it out. Okay, yeah. All right, Joe, that concludes the eight straight questions. I like to close by asking my guests to endorse something. So what's one thing you would like listeners to know about or to experience? Oh, man. You know what? I think for me, just being involved in the photography stuff and the sports, I'm going to... I'm going to pick Kids Inc. and their their new complex that they're they're building out there. We've got some financial commitments personally through the end of this year, but I'm looking forward to uh, supporting that organization, that complex that they're building for kids. I've gone out with my nieces and nephew and uh, other friends' kids, and I've seen some of the the dirt fields that mm-hmm. these kids play in to just you know be involved in sports when they're young. And uh, I don't know, I'm just I think it's a really cool thing that uh, a bunch of people got together outside of anything related to the city and are. Like, let's go do something for the kids. So I'm going to endorse Kids, Inc. and their new complex that they're building. It's one of those stories where, you know, we talk about the the Amarillo pioneers, that the nice things we have here because they just decided they wanted to have them and they made it happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we people have been talking forever about we need something like Kids, Inc. And it just mm-hmm. hasn't happened. And it's just another story where a group of citizens just said, all right, we're going to do this ourselves and let's yeah, absolutely. get it done. So super impressed with that. Um, like I said, looking forward to seeing how that comes uh, to be and it can be a great thing for our community. All right. Joe Garcia, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having it. me. Have a good day. And that concludes the episode. Thanks to Joe for the interview. You can learn more about him at joe.photography or visit PressPass at PressPassSports.com. And if you want to, you can go to eCatholic.com. Thanks also to Angelina Marie for editing this episode and to sponsors SKP Creative, Amarillo Hearing Clinic, and Panhandle Plains Historical Museum for supporting the show. Don't forget, the Hey Amarillo 300th episode live show is coming on May 5th. Hey Amarillo exists on a weekly basis because of listeners like you and the local people who support it financially through patreon.com slash heyamarillo. Hey Amarillo's executive producers include Jason Burr, Katie Linger, Corey Burns, Josh Wood, Wes Reeves, Patrick Burns, and Barbara and Jim Witten. This has been episode 293. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.